Welcome back to the Not So Bon Voyage podcast, episode 54. Today on the episode, we're talking about camping mishaps and a lost at sea horror story. Grab your scuba gear and let's go. And then the train got lost. How does the train get lost when it's on rail? I just want to get out there in the wild. Well, it was in the itinerary. I mean, adventure, it's calling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been excellent. Ahoy! Oh, we're doing ahoy now. I've reverted back to the old school one. I like ahoy. I like ahoy as well. Should we go back to... It's country neutral because g'day is very Australian. Okay, so should we go back to ahoy? I think so. Okay, while we're going back to ahoy, guys, it is the Not So Bonfire podcast. I am Jules. I'm Christine. Telling you all the world's best stories of when shit goes wrong on the road. That's right. And what do we have today in store? I have a very interesting story that may leave people a little bit nervous. Mm, mm, okay. More nervous than our usual stories? Um, if For me, yes. For me, this story is a story of one of my worst nightmares. So yeah, I, I think so. Okay. Kicking off episode 54 with a bang, a little preview about Christine's story coming mm. up. Before we jump into that, any updates happening at the Not So Bon Voyage headquarters, Christine? Um, well, we are doing something this weekend. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. We're traveling. We're traveling. Sort of. Sort of. We are not going out of the country nor out of the state, but we are going on a very small camping trip because we need to get out into some nature and some wilderness. So oh, we do. We do. We're looking forward to that. When's the last time we went camping? It has been a very long time since we've been camping. We've done van trips. If you are familiar with the mm-hmm. podcast, obviously you all are because you're all voyagers. We did a van trip uh, at the start of the year, about two months, two and a half months in Vancouver and other parts of Canada, and we had some van troubles. I actually can't remember the last time I slept in a tent. We're so bougie with our van now. We have all of our amenities. We have our power. We have our fairy lights. Yeah, but the van is not bougie. Just No, no, but compared to a tent. Yes, of course it is. We have a nice bed. bed. We have solar power. We have a powered fridge. There's lots of great things about the van, but it's not a fancy van, guys. No, it's not. I mean, if you've been on Instagram, you've probably seen it. It's not one of those high top sprinters. Not that we're throwing shade at those. They're very beautiful. We have friends that have those. We wish we had one, but our van is definitely not one of those. So it has been a while since we've been camping, camping in a tent. And I'm, I just have this feeling that obviously we're going to have a good time, but something's definitely going to go wrong. Yes, I'm sure. I mean, something always goes wrong. Yeah. And it does remind me. Hopefully I think not too much though. Um, I, I, actually, you know what? We, the last, we haven't been tent camping in a while, but we have been camping. I think the last time we were camping was like seven years ago when we were in Mexico. Was that the last time we went camping? Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. This was 2013. And it was like start of the year, we were in Mexico. We spent quite a bit of time at the start of the year in Mexico. And we went to this place called Lagos de Montebello. Montebello? Montebello. Montebello. It sounds a, very Italian. It's not Italian. It's, uh, it's definitely Mexican. <laughs> and it's in the south. It's in the state of Chiapas. And it was these beautiful set of lakes that we really wanted to explore. And we were staying in San Cristobal de las Casas at the time. There you go. A little bit more Espanol for you. And we decided to take a trip out with just a couple of backpacks, some hammocks, and we wanted to go out and camp at these lakes, string up hammocks, and make a fire and cook food. And did it turn out that way, Christine? No. Well, first we hitchhiked with this very nice Mexican family who took us to a couple lakes, I think. 
And oh, yes. that, they were super nice. They had like a, a young kid and they took us to a couple lakes because they're very spread apart, very far apart. It's a series of lakes. It's so a series it's a of lakes. It's a big area with a series of lights. Huge lakes. They're gorgeous. Google beautiful. it. They're very beautiful. We'll put up uh, a photo on our Not So Bon Voyage Instagram and show you guys. But so we didn't really plan ahead, but we heard there was a campsite near one of the lakes. So we brought down all of our stuff. We had our hammock and our cooking gear and whatnot. And we were heading down there and we could not find this campsite. We could not find the campsite. And we were leaving it a bit late at that stage as well. Yeah, it was like getting dark. So we ended up sleeping. We ended up stringing up our hammock in a sort of small community park slash playground and, and right i made a lake, fire jules made a fire and we there was a, some people there celebrating or whatever and we were like is it safe to sleep here and they were like yes it's super safe and totally fine but you know when you're in a hammock you're so exposed it's kind of freaky you're literally just hanging out you're literally a sitting duck in case a, a murderer wants to come and murder you you're really okay. just out there that's probably the best. If you were a, if you were like some kind of stalker or murderer or something like that, that's pretty much like the jackpot. That's the mm-hmm. that's the low hanging fruit, really. You just walk in and someone's just hanging in a park at night, and you're like, "Oh, guys, come on, this is too easy." Too easy. So we strung up our hammock. We did had some dinner. It was all going really well. It was really beautiful. I made a fire. Jules made a fire. He's very proud of his fire. It was a great fire. Yeah. And we started... Still, still think about that fire as well. Was it a particularly good fire? Uh, just, you know, made it from scratch. Just, I think it was really hard to start, wasn't it? Was it was hard to start, yeah. And so once we got it going, we were like, well, we live here now. We can never abandon this fire. Yes. So we slept in the hammock. Everything was going fine. But in the middle of the night... Started to get a bit cold. Started to get a bit cold. And I opened my eyes and the entire area around us was covered in mist. It was extremely foggy, creepy, Halloween horror movie vibes. Think about one of those old school Halloween movies like Jason. I don't know what Jason, what's it called? Halloween, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Well, I know, yeah, Jason. Friday the 13th. Yeah, Jason. Wasn't he the guy in the hockey mask? Yes. Okay, so think of picture. That's Friday the 13th. Halloween is Michael Myers. Okay, and then there's like all the other bounds. So think of like a, a very like 1980s horror movie where there's some kind of eerie soundtrack playing in the background and then there's this couple, this foreign couple in a foreign country who has suddenly decides to take a camping trip and they're sleeping in a park and they're both huddled into this two-person hammock and then the, the fog is so dense, like the mist, that you can't see six feet in front of you. I think that's I the heard setting. The, that's the setting. I think I heard the Halloween theme song in the background. And not only that, but I had woken up, Jules was still asleep, to this foggy, misty night, and there was a man walking straight towards us. I kid you not, random dude making a beeline in in the fog. No one else is there, of course. It's d- middle of the night. He's coming straight towards us. And I was like... What the hell? And he had a hatchet and he was like, <laughs> hola, amigos. <laughs> no, he didn't have a hatchet. Well, I didn't get a good look, but maybe he did. But I woke Jules up immediately and I was like, Jules, someone is coming. Oh my God, it was so scary, you guys. I was freaking out. 
and he came up and, and Jules... I was like, hola! And he, he came up, but then I think when he saw us wake up, he kind of shifted directions and was like not walking straight towards us anymore. And Jules was like, hola! And then he, and we were like, who are you? And he was like, oh, it's okay, I'm, I'm policia. And he was he seemed like he was trying to pretend like he was the police and he was going to go check on us. I mean, he could have been the police. He could have been the police. But then if he was the police, don't you think he would have stuck around him and like, hey, just, I'm the police, just wanted to check and make sure everything's okay, you're all good? Maybe. I mean, he obviously knew we were gringos. Yeah, So, so but what was he doing then? Just checking up on us. Maybe he got reports that there was a weird couple sleeping in the park for some reason. <laughs> but then don't you think he'd want to talk to us when we're awake? And be like, hey, by the way, you're in the wrong area. Yeah, exactly. You've missed the campsite Which completely. we were. We were. And we were in the open. And that was the thing because we were strung up between two trees and we were in the open. And what happens when you camp with unpredictable weather and you are in the open, of course it is going to rain oh yes so the guy left we started going back to sleep we were like i was freaked out but we tried to go back to sleep then we get woken up pounded with rain oh my god it was crazy it was that kind of rain that whips you and it's windy it was horrible so in the middle of the night it was like what two or three in the morning yes and we had to pack up everything so we had to pack up all our things we had to take down the hammock and we had to, the fire, obviously, I couldn't take the fire with me. No, we could not move the fire, and the fire was out because of the rain. Yeah, and then we had to pack everything up and look for a new spot under covers. So we're walking around in the dark with all of our stuff, wet, and eventually we found a place under some, what was like a tin, it was almost like a shed, an open shed area, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we could string the hammock again. But even though we were out of the rain, it was still windy, and we didn't have... Our hammock was quite thin, and so the bottom of... I just remember the bottom of the hammock being so cold. It was freezing. It was freezing, and so we didn't have any kind of hammock liner. We were just laying in the hammock. So you're thinking... Think about how thin a hammock is. It's like the thinnest material in the world, and it's just that and then you. So the wind is just whipping at your back. Oh, it yeah. makes me cold thinking about it. But one of the worst parts, it was great that we found that shelter to be under, but it was almost worse because it was a tin roof. And the sound of that rain hurling down on that tin roof was so loud. It was like we couldn't sleep after that. It was horrible. You have a very good memory of this. Thank I haven't you. thought about this story in a long time. And the, the memories are like coming back now. But you have some very, like I do remember that now. Like the rain on the on that tin roof was just like... It might as well have just been in the rain. We weren't going to sleep. It was just never ending bad after bad with that night. Yeah. And then so we woke up in the morning and we realized once it became light again, we realized that we we're in this tin shed area. And we weren't that far from where we were pitched up originally. And then so we thought, well, let's go back to that area because it was a beautiful day the next morning. So we got up, we packed up all our stuff again, and then we walked back to the area that we were. And it was so funny seeing it again in the daylight, because our last memory was that it was basically a scene out of a horror movie. Yeah. And then we went back there and we're like, oh, this looks really you know, nice again. And this is why we picked the spot. And we found a little fire. And I don't know if you remember, but the fire actually had some coals because we'd been burning it all afternoon. There were some coals that were still hot and buried in the ashes. And I was able to kickstart the fire again. You love that fire. I did. So I we thought, well, I've got the fire going again. Let's cook a little bit of breakfast. And so we strung up the hammock and we sat around the fire and we cooked up breakfast. And because we realized we were basically camping in a park area, 
about half an hour into our breakfast, we got a fire going with these wet, cold, shivering, like degenerate looking gringos. And then this school of probably like five-year-old kids show up to the park area about 25 yards in front of us. There's this park area and this whole classroom of children come out and they're doing some kind of morning exercise class and they just look over at these two disheveled disheveled (laughs) gringos eating beans and rice out of a pan (laughs) oh god we probably looked a whole mess but yeah that was pretty funny yeah that was a good trip and then we were like okay well we're exhausted we haven't slept we're wet we're tired but let's explore a little bit So we started hiking down the road, and then we realized that the campsite was literally like five minutes further down the road. And it was so much nicer than where we'd been. It was so beautiful. It was like a proper campsite right on the lake, and we were like, no. (laughs) Yeah, it was really nice. Oh, well, you live and you learn. Yeah. But yeah, that was probably, going back to our original thing while we're talking about this, that was probably the last time that we did any kind of camping. That makes sense. It was a traumatic experience. Yeah. So wish us luck. We are going to a place that is two and a half hours outside of San Francisco. So it's not too far. It is kind of at the base of the Sierra Nevada mountains, sort of just outside of Yosemite. Is mm-hmm, that right? Mm-hmm. And it should be nice. we got some very hot weather coming our way, so... Yes, hopefully all goes well, but obviously you guys know it's the premise of this podcast. If it doesn't, you'll be sure to hear about it. Yes, that's right. Okay. All right. What else have we got planned for today? Now we've just taken a little trip down memory lane, which was, it was enjoyable. Yeah, that was a little uh, personal story for us. And now I'm going to tell a regular not to bon voyage about somebody else. About somebody else's. Let's make ourselves feel better by diving into somebody else's uh <gasps> Diving. Whoa. Funny that you should say that. Why? Because this is about diving. Okay. Well, have you got a title for your story? Yes. It's called Left at Sea. Left at Sea. Okay. No, and this is no a very pun. intense story. Oh, okay. <laughs> so get ready for it. Is this it. a disclaimer? Disclaimer. There were no survivors. Well, actually there were survivors, but the main people in the story do not survive. So I'm throwing that out there right now. Okay. So a little survi- non-survivor warning. It's a, yeah. It's a non-survival story. <laughs> okay. So this is a story I actually came across a while ago while researching, but it's kind of like an unsolved mystery, a little tiny bit. And I know some people really don't like those. But and it's a it's a short story. There's not a ton of information. People like to know what happened. That's why at the end of a movie something happens. Okay, but I feel like people like. I mean, one of our most popular stories was the story of Lars. That's true. Which is still very much an unsolved thing, but it's such a crazy travel story. It's so intriguing. Mm. Um, I don't know. I feel like people like that. Okay, maybe I maybe I'll say that there's not a ton of information because we don't know what happened to them. Mm. That can be frustrating because you really, you want the, I can, I can see how you'd want the conclusion to that. Mm -hmm. But it's still a good story. Okay. Okay. So this is the story of Tom and Eileen Lonergan. Can I guess where they're from? Lonergan? Yeah. They're English. No. Oh, um, they're Australian. No. Okay. Where are they from? They're from Louisiana. Oh, okay. Yeah. They got you there, didn't I? So Tom is 34, Eileen is 29, and they're a married couple from Louisiana. Okay. So it's early 1998. Louisiana is the state. Louisiana is the state. The state that New Orleans is in. Okay. Yeah, New Orleans. New Orleans. Okay. So it's early 1998. 1998, long time ago. Long time ago. Very long time ago. What were we doing in 1998? I think I was in sixth grade. Uh, Or maybe I was in fifth grade. I was 11. 
Yeah. Mm. Great. Good times. Yeah. So this couple had recently finished a two-year stint with the Peace Corps in the South Pacific. And they were going to do another stint in Fiji. So I guess I think that like in between that, they were taking a trip to Australia, doing some vacationing, some diving, what have you. Okay, so they're hanging around the Pacific. They're hanging around. I mean, who wouldn't? It's beautiful over beautiful. there. Beautiful. It's also January. It's summer. It's it is gorge. summer. Yep. We love it. Love to see it. Gorge. It's gorge. So in January, January 25th, Tom and Eileen are scuba diving in the Great Barrier Reef. Bucket list. Especially 1998, it was probably even more gorgeous back then. Because isn't the Great Barrier Reef having like some, pol- not pollution, but some issues. coral issues? Yeah, well, I mean, who, hey, what reef isn't these who days? Who isn't? Who isn't having who among issues? among us? Who isn't having issues these days with global warming? Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah, exactly. So they probably got to see some really cool stuff that maybe is gone now. Sad. Very sad. Oh, okay, is that the survi- is that the non-survivor part that's of this story? The non-survivor. And guys, the no non-survivor, the survivor, the non-survivor was the Great Barrier Reef. R.I.P. No, so they are aboard a ship called the Outer Edge. So the boat is under the command of Jeffrey Ian Jack Narn, which is Narn Dog. There's a lot of names in there for an Australian. I don't think Australians usually have four names. No, well, I think that's why he probably gave himself the nickname Jack. Then is that his nickname? Yeah, but couldn't he just be Jeff? His name is Jeffrey. Mm. But maybe he's like Captain Jack, you know, sailor. Uh, okay. I don't know. This is this would be pre-Pirates of the Caribbean, though. Yes, it would. But yeah. Captain Jack was still a thing back then, right? Is that a know. thing? I don't know. I don't know. We named our tortoise Captain Jack in like 1997. So that so was pre- maybe he was the original Captain Jack. Okay. I should sue Disney. Yeah. Get some rights. So they are on this boat. There's 26 passengers. And around 3 p.m. Your favorite number. 26, my lucky number. Around 3 p.m., they're on their third dive of the day at a site called Fish City. That sounds like a cool place. <laughs> Isn't Fish that Fish City. That yeah, sounds like fun. something out of, um, what's that movie? Not Finding, Finding Nemo. Nemo. No, no, the other one. Oh, A Shark's Tale? A Shark's Tale. Did you they... actually see that? Yeah. You saw A Shark's Tale? Yeah, it's a great movie. That's like the uh, DreamWorks. You know, there's like two competing ones. One's yes. Pixar and one's DreamWorks. I think that's the DreamWorks version of, of um, Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Because you know they used to go back and forth? Like totally. There was, there was uh, Ants and then there was a Bug's Life. And yes. they both came out at the same time. And mm. they definitely mirror like the trends. Yeah. And I think that A Shark's Tale was very much like about city life. It was more uh, – Finding Nemo was more natural and A Shark's Tale was kind of like, oh, there's a city and people have got like cabs and car wash. Because there was that, that car wash. Oh, oh, oh. So Fish City sounds like something out of A Shark's Tale. Anyway. Totally. And it's like bright lights, big city, and it's like yeah. a Vegas. like Vegas, basically. Come on down to Fish City. Da, 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 da. Yeah. I don't know who named that, but it's great. Good job. So – According to the dive instructor on the boat, Tom and Eileen said they were going to go off and do their own thing. So I don't know if that's normal, if you're allowed to do that. Seems weird to me, but I've only ever done like a it's diving 98. course. It's 98. But it's also 98. People could do whatever they want in the 90s. In the 90s. It's like, hey, you want to go diving by yourself? Yeah, go for it. it what could go wrong? Yeah. But I, I guess know. they were pretty good divers. They had their own equipment and they you know, knew what they were doing. It wasn't like they were on a course. So usually at the end of a dive, the instructor puts in all the dive details in the dive master's logbook. Got to have it all Log know, it all. registered. Log, Log it, all. it all. Log it all. But since they wanted to do their own thing, none of this information was ever entered. So 
allegedly the people on the boat, like the dive master, the captain or whatever, skipper, they did a head count, counted 26 passengers, left the reef, went back to the dock. Okay. So the boat returned to Port Douglas. Do you know Port Douglas? Mm, yeah, it's up north. Yeah, yeah, I think it's in Queensland. Yeah, it Queensland. is. Queensland? Queensland? Queensland. Queensland. So when they docked, the crew noticed there was uh, at least one bag left behind by the passengers, but they figured somebody forgot it as they were exiting the boat. In reality, there were actually two bags left behind. One was the couple's dry clothes and Tom's glasses and a nearly empty dive bag. And the boat was also missing two tanks and two weight belts. Mm. So, Can I ask you a question before you continue? Is, was this made into a movie? Yes. Okay. I think it was called The Reef or something? Yeah. I think I remember this movie and it was, yeah, it was terrifying. Yeah. So soon after, the bus arrived to take the drivers back to their hotels. And when the couple didn't show up for the bus, the driver reported their disappearance to the bus company. And the driver said he looked for the couple around the wharf and the cafe and some shops and whatnot and could not find them. Even though the driver reported that they didn't get picked up, it wasn't until two days later that it was really discovered that they were missing. So the boat had left without Tom and Eileen. Oh, my God. That for is... whatever reason. We don't know for sure. But for some reason, they went off and did their own thing diving. Everybody else got back on the boat. They packed up and left Tom and Eileen out in the middle of the ocean. That is probably one of... Now I see why you say that this is one of the most terrifying things. Is that not terrifying? Man, that is crazy. So what happened? Okay, so over the next three days, they did an air search, sea search, huge search and whatnot, but they couldn't find anything. A month later, in February... A woman's wetsuit that matched Eileen's size washed ashore in North Queensland. Oh. And it also was examined, and the barnacle growth on the suit suggested it had been submerged in the ocean since January. Okay. So timeline matches up. Then in June, six months after the disappearance, some of the couple's diving gear washed up on Port Douglas Beach. Whoa. Including dive jackets, air tanks, and one of Eileen's fins. So is this confirmed? Confirmed. They, they they knew it was their stuff. I don't know if it had their name written in it or what. But it might have had the. It was um, theirs. It might have had the the company's logo or something on it as well. Could be. It was definitely theirs. Wow. So six months later, mm-hmm. it's crazy to think that that stuff washes up and doesn't just sink to the bottom of the ocean. Right. Don't you think that's weird to think that eventually it kind of always makes its way back to the shore? Yes. It's crazy. And or it goes to the garbage island that's in the middle of the ocean. That's yes. the size of Texas or whatever. Uh, how, would, how would the wetsuit? Was it the whole wetsuit, a piece of the wetsuit? It was the whole wetsuit, and it had no animal bite marks taken out of it. Because one of the theories was shark attack, right? That's what I would have thought. But also, why did she take off her wetsuit? Hmm. Okay, let me continue. They also recovered a diverse slate, which is like something you write on to communicate with people underwater. Okay, this, what is that like a little um, diving? It's like a movie slate, like action. Or mm-hmm. is it kind of like a underwater chalkboard? I think it's an underwater chalkboard. Okay. Small, hopefully, not a huge like. Yeah, chalkboard. You, they're, they're swimming down there with this big six-foot thing. <laughs> Could be. So the let me tell you what the slate had written on it. Okay. Okay, it read, Monday, January 26, 1998. So day after the thing, 8 so, a.m. So they've been out there for how long? 
What time did the boat come back? The boat, it was uh, January 25th. I don't know when it came back, but it was around 3 p.m. Okay, so the, either way, they've been out there like a whole night. Yes. Just treading water. Okay, so it says, To anyone who can help us, we have been abandoned on Agincourt Reef by MV Outer Edge, 25th of Jan, 1998, 3 p.m. Please help to rescue us before we die. Help. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Is that creepy? Whoa. Can you imagine finding that? Oh my God. I'm getting like goosebumps. Is there a picture of this thing? I don't know. That's a good question. You didn't look it up? I didn't look it up. Should we look it up? Sure. Okay. What's it called? I got nervous. Um, You could say Tom and Eileen. Okay. Tom, Eileen, dive slate. Oh, oh, I found it. Oh, you can look at it. Oh, Creepy. man. It is kind of like a little whiteboard. Yes. Yeah, it's like a whiteboard. Damn. Okay, we'll put a picture to this so you can see it. This is kind of freaky. Oh, it's super freaky. Super freaky. Very creepy. Damn. It's to anyone who can help us. We have been abandoned on Reef 25th. Please help. Oh, man. That's, Ugh. yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Okay. All right, so what happens next? So the pair was never found. Okay, fair to say dead. Okay, so yes, fair to say dead. So there's, there is a conspiracy that the pair actually had a suicide pact because they actually went and looked at their diaries. And in some diary entries, Tom said that he was, quote, ready to die. Eileen wrote, Tom hopes to die a quick and painly death. They think she meant painless, but painly death. Why would you want to die a painly death? I think she meant painless. Okay. But I don't know. And hopes it happens soon. Tom's not suicidal, but he's got a death wish that could lead him to what he desires, and I could get caught in that. Mm. So pretty chilling. Okay, so what what was that? They found their personal diaries. They found their personal diaries. But the the big thing is, the fact of the matter is that whether they had a death wish or suicide pact or whatever, the crew miscalculated how many people were on board. Because if they didn't, there would no, be no reason for them to just leave. So That's if they true. did have a suicide pact, it would be a weird coincidence that they also got left behind. Yeah, unless they were trying to get left behind. Yeah, but I feel but like they, that's but- that's, first of all... If they said that Tom was wanted a quick, and whether it was painly or painless, being stranded out in the ocean is not a quick way to die. No way. That's probably one of the longest ways, especially considering they wrote that slate the next morning. It means that they were literally swimming all night Mm -hmm. just to stay afloat. And then they wrote, why would you even go to the bother of writing that message? Right. So exactly. I feel exactly. like that. I feel like that conspiracy theory, even though it's kind of chilling to think about, I mm. feel like that doesn't really weigh up. It does. I don't think so either. I don't agree with it. So there's other theories: shark attack, dehydration, drowning, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, they got left behind. Yes, and That's they did the not fact. survive. Yes. So they actually looked at the evidence of the diving gear, as I mentioned. It doesn't look like they had an animal attack. What they think happened was that they succumbed to delirium from dehydration, and that's why Eileen took off her diving gear. And that's why it washed ashore. And then without the buoyancy of their gear, they wouldn't have been able to tread water, so they would eventually drown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does seem bizarre that you would shed things. So first of all, your fins... You'd want to keep those on because they would keep help you stay afloat. The wetsuit definitely keeps you buoyant. And if you have tanks, you could float on them, couldn't yeah, you? Yeah, I think so. Like if you let all yeah. the 
Like, wouldn't they be floaty? Yeah, you could only, if you keep the air inside, then yes, if you don't mm-hmm. use up all the air. So the skipper of the boat was actually charged with unlawful killing, but oh. then he was found to be not guilty. But Like com- negligence. Negligence, yeah. But his company was fined, and it did go out of business. Okay, I mean, that kind of makes sense. I yeah. feel like that's that's probably the last, you know... Yeah, we. I don't think anybody would want to go with that boat anyway. Yeah, I feel that's the last trip they would have done. Yeah. The last review is a one-star... How had fun. Two guests died. Mm, okay. Two guests got left behind. Two guests, yeah, for a slow, slow, painful death. Uh, yeah, next company, please. Yeah. So Queensland, Queensland, Queensland. You really struggle with that, I don't know. you? I know. Queensland also passed a law that now requires captains and dive masters to independently confirm headcounts. So it's not like... Who did? Did you do it? I thought. I thought you did it. No, you, yeah. You know, okay. it's like so. It's on the get, skipper they, they now. Have to get it done. Yeah. Okay. So it's always. I always find it really interesting, and it's obviously pretty sad that it takes somebody to die for these new rules and regulations to come in. But I feel like these things always happen, and they still happen where it takes some kind of tragedy for somebody to think in hindsight. Oh yeah, like we probably should have had the captain independently check the head count and not totally. just taken a guess. It seems so obvious. It seems so obvious, but at the time I guess if it's never happened. So I wonder what in the future what lies ahead, what tragedy from travel or something like that because it just hasn't happened yet. Mm, I guess it's probably always evolving. Yeah. But just can you imagine being down there, you know, Checking out the coral, being like, oh, there's a fish. We're in Fish City. It's awesome. And then eventually you come back up and you look around and no one is there. Didn't you have something similar like with a snorkeling trip or something? Yeah, or so diving? W- when I was diving, when I was doing my diving course, I can't remember if it was like my fun dive or during the course. Must have been my fun dive afterwards, which is just like a regular dive. But I was down there and we were in the reef and looking at all these cool rocks and whatnot. And I do a complete 360 degree turn and I don't see one single person, not one person. And I was like, what That would the be hell? terrifying. My heart sank. I was like, I am not equipped for this. And, uh, and then I went behind this reef and they were there, but it was very scary. I feel like that would be a very quick way like instant uh panic you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like you know panic would build sometimes when you start get yourself in a stressful situation like if you were lost you'd slowly start to get okay i'm a little lost like but where am i but i feel like that's the sort of thing that would just be instantaneous like a panic heart attack you would just look around and go oh i'm by myself in the ocean in the middle of nowhere yeah exactly and that would be very terrifying it was very scary also, one time I was on my diving course and they forgot, the instructor forgot to turn the air on in my tank and I got into the water and I put my receptor in, what's it called? The thing you put in your no mouth, idea. your mouthpiece. That sounds good. And, uh, and I, it, it, no air came in and I started sinking and I was like, what the hell? And I had to like paddle up with my fins and I had no air and I had to go over them and be like, what? There's no air. And they're like, oh my God. So damn. What if you had just what if you just sunk to the bottom and with no air, would have died. You would have had to clip unclip your belt so you release your tanks and you can go up. Yeah, that's true. Whew, that is scary. That's gonna be goosebumps. That story. Be careful diving, everybody. Yeah, dangerous world out there. I feel like there's probably a lot of not so bon voyages with diving. Although I feel like they probably don't. A lot of them probably don't have happy endings. Probably not. Probably not. Because I feel like there's not a lot of margin for error when it comes to diving. When you're down, especially if you go super deep, 
there's not like if something goes wrong, it's really just one of two things. It's either something went wrong and it got fixed immediately and I survived, or mm-hmm. it never got fixed and I died. Yeah, or like, got the bends. Yeah, there's no middle ground. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, and that's why I don't dive. Yeah, I haven't been diving since I did that course. So. That's why I keep my water activities above the water, just strictly surfing. I mean, and surfing it, can be dangerous as well. Surfing can be dangerous, but I'm not under the water dealing with all the things. I don't want to know what's under the water when I'm surfing. I know that there's sharks and I know that there's things like that. I've seen probably only once or twice like a fin while surfing. And, you know, I just prefer to be on the surface and be kind of like ignorance is bliss. Honestly, it's really cool scuba diving to see what's down there. It's a whole different world. It's so colorful. Is it colorful. a whole new world? It is. I can see why the Little Mermaid wanted to stay down there. Or no, she wanted to go up on She actually wanted to go up on Yeah. What was the how how was her compromise? I don't know. I feel like she just gave up everything and went on land with her hubby. Mm, she just, I mean, that's just when she was she was just ready to be a a wife. Yeah, that's true. She wanted to go where the people are. Yeah, <laughs> where the people were dancing. Yes, exactly. walking around on them. Um, what do you call them? Feet. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We, I know we're not a Disney podcast, but we do dabble. Oh my god! Well, we just watched Moana. So good. We're really on an ocean theme right now. Yeah, I'm. I'm just going to be listening to the Moana soundtrack from now on. Okay. Moana, Moana, Moana. Sorry. Okay. Well, that was a yeah. It's definitely something to think about. We will put up some photos from that the slate board and some of the other weird, creepy things that came out of that story on the show mm-hmm. notes. Remember that you can check them out at notsobonvoyage.com. And if you have ever had something happen to you while you were diving, or any kind of snorkeling or underwater experience. Remember to hit us up on notsobonvoyage.com slash submit. You can submit your story. We'd love to tell it. Maybe we'll do, if we get enough stories, we'll put together a underwater-themed episode. That would be awesome. That'd under be good the fun. sea. Under, We're definitely going to call it under the sea. We will definitely call it under the sea special. And we'll get our dingle hoppers out. Yes. What? <laughs> it's a, a fork. Okay. Oh, God. All right. We will call it an under under the sea special. Uh, yes. Yeah, so you can hit us up on the website or hit us up on the socials at Instagram and Twitter at Not So Bon Voyage. I think that's it, guys. We're going to wrap up this episode today. Christine's in a laughing fit. She's losing it. We have to go camping. Uh, wish us luck, and we will catch up with you next week for some more stories of crazy things when shit goes wrong on the road. And remember, stay safe on the road. And if you're not, make sure you tell us about it. Or underwater. <laughs> Bye. Bye.